came in the way, they cursed and swore always, drunk or sober. John Canty was a thief, and his mother was a beggar. They made beggars of the children. Please, sir, just a farthing, just a penny so that we may eat. But failed to make thieves of them. Among, but not of, the dreadful rabble that inhabited the house was a good old priest, Father Andrew, who taught Tom a little Latin and how to read and write, and would have done the same with the girls, but they were afraid of the jeers of their friends, who could not have endured such an odd accomplishment in them. All of Awful Court was just such another hive as the Canty household. Drunkenness, riot, and broken heads were as common as hunger in that place. Yet, little Tom was not unhappy. No, no, Tom's life went along well enough, especially in the summer. He only begged just enough to save himself, for the laws against begging were stringent, and the penalties heavy, so he put in a good deal of his time listening to good Father Andrew's charming old tales and legends about giants and fairies, dwarfs and genies, enchanted castles, and gorgeous kings, queens, and princes. His head grew full of these wonderful things, and many a night, as he lay hungry amidst his dark surroundings, he unleashed his imagination and soon forgot his misfortunes, his aches and pains, and pictured himself of the charmed life of a petted prince in a regal palace, or to actually see a real prince with his own eyes. But, alas, it was only a dream. By and by, young Tom became so consumed with his dreamings that they began to work certain changes in him. His dream people were so fine that he grew to lament his shabby clothing and his dirt and to wish to be clean and better clad. He went on playing in the mud just the same and enjoying it, but instead of splashing around in the Thames solely for the fun of it, he began to find an added value in it because of the washings and the cleansings that it afforded. Tom began to act out, to act as a prince would. His speech and manners became curiously ceremonious and courtly, to the vast admiration and amusement of his comrades. His readings and dreamings overtook him, and in fact, he became a hero to all who knew him, to all save his own family, who saw nothing new in him. But still, his desire to look just once upon a real prince in the flesh grew upon him day by day and week by week until, at last, it absorbed all other desires and became the one passion of his life. One January day, on his usual begging tour, he tramped despondently up and down the region round about Mincing Lane and Little East Cheap, 
There was a cold drizzle of rain that day. The atmosphere was murky. It was melancholy. That night, Tom reached home so wet and tired and hungry that it was not possible for his father and grandmother to observe his forlorn condition and not be moved. All day long, out of the trench, and not a farthing to sell for it, you worthless sod! They gave him a cuffing and sent him to bed at once. For some time, the pain of his beating and the fighting and swearing going on in the building kept him awake. But at last his thoughts drifted away to far romantic lands, and then, as usual, he dreamed that he was a prince himself. long he moved among the great lords and ladies in a blaze of light, breathing perfumes, drinking in delicious music, and living the life of a princely prince. But when he awoke in the morning and looked at the wretchedness about him, his dream had had its usual effect. It had intensified the sordidness of his surroundings a thousandfold. And then came bitterness and heartbreak and tears. The next morning, Tom got up hungry. He wandered here and there in the city, hardly noticing where he was going or what was happening around him. By and by, he found himself at Temple Bar the farthest from home that he had ever traveled in that direction. Tom discovered Charing Village presently and rested himself at the beautiful cross built there by a bereaved king of earlier days. Then he idled down a quiet, lovely road toward the far more mighty and majestic palace beyond, Westminster. Here, indeed, was a king's palace. At each side of the gilded gate stood a stately and motionless man-at-arms, clad from head to heel in shining steel armor. At a respectful distance were many country folk lazing about, waiting for any chance glimpse of royalty. Poor little Tom, in his rags, approached, and was moving slowly and timidly past the sentinels with a beating heart and a rising hope, when all at once he caught sight, through the golden bars, of a spectacle that almost made him shout for joy. Within was a comely boy, tanned and brown, whose clothing was all of lovely silks and satins, shining with jewels, at his hip a little jeweled sword and dagger, dainty buskins on his feet with red heels, and on his head a jaunty crimson cap with drooping plumes fastened with a great sparkling gem. Oh, a prince! A living prince. Oh, he was a prince. A living prince. A real prince without the shadow of a question. And the prayer of the pauper boy's heart was answered at last. Tom's breath came quick and short with excitement. And before he knew it, before he knew what he was about, 
He had his face against the gate bars. Hey, mind thy manners there, you young beggar. But, 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 Stand uh, back, or I'll throw him through to within an instant of your non-existence. <laughs> See here now. How dost thou use a poor lad like that, soldier? How dost thou use the king, my father's meanest subject, so? Open the gates and let him in. We, we, but, sire, he... Open wrote... the gates! Or you shall be flogged within an instant of your non-existence. Long live the Prince of Wales! <laughs> it was the young prince himself who bade the young Tom to enter the palace yard. The soldiers presented arms with their halberds, opened the gates, and presented again as the little prince of poverty passed in, with his fluttering rags to join hands with the prince of limitless plenty. Thou lookest tired and hungry. Thou hast been treated ill. Come with me. The prince took Tom to a rich apartment in the palace, which he called his cabinet. By his command, a luncheon was brought such as Tom had never encountered before, except in books. Then, as the poor young lad devoured the meal, the prince sat nearby and asked questions. It, what is thy name? Tom Canty, and it please thee, sir. Mm. Tis an odd one. Where dost thou live? In the city, please thee, sir. Awful court out of Pudding Lane. Awful court? Truly. Mm. Tis another odd one. It, dost thou have parents? Oh, parents have I, sir. And a grandam likewise, that is, but indifferently precious to me. God, God forgive me if it be an offence to say it. Also, twin sisters, Nan and Bet. Then is thy granddam not overkind to thee, I take it? Neither to any other is she, your worship. She has a wicked heart and worketh evil all the days. Does she mistreat thee? There are times when she stayeth the hand, being asleep or too overcome with drink.